going to put up some clues, four clues for three different characters. Based on the clues, you need to try and work who it is that I'm speaking about. Who is the person that I'm speaking about? What is their identity? Okay, here is the first person and here is the first clue. Maybe turn to the people around you and see if you can work it out. I was born... The 30th of November, 1960. Does anyone want to guess who that could be? An identity? Is it someone in this room? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's a trick. Let me give you another clue. Ah, right. I have an OBE from the Queen. An OBE from the Queen. Who could that be? Hmm. Don't know. Here's another clue to help you think. I love football. And crisps. I love football and crisps. Oh, we've got a guess at the back. Here's another clue. I am on match of the day. Who is it? Gary Gary Lineker. Good. He loves football and crisps. Right, here's another one. See if you can get this one. I became famous in 1926, a long time ago. Who could this one be? Don't know. Here's another clue. I've appeared in books and films. I've appeared in books and films. Do you need another clue? Yeah. I love honey. Oh, who could it be? Joe? Winnie the Pooh. I am friends with Tigger and Piglet. Who is it? Winnie the Pooh. Yes, Winnie the Pooh. Right, here's another one. Number three. I go to church at LCBC. Who could it be? I was a leader at a holiday club. Oh. I'm a man. I'm standing on the stage. (laughs) Who is it? It's me. (laughs) Well done. You got it right. You got it right. Now, identity, who someone really is, was our focus. One of our focuses this week. We weren't thinking about the identity of a cartoon character like Winnie the Pooh or a famous footballer or someone on Match of the Day like Gary Lineker or even the identity of me. We were thinking of the identity of the one true hero, Jesus. And we began our week by looking at a story from the book of Mark. Mark was one of the guys who wrote down what he saw and the people he knew saw about the life of Jesus, things he said, things he did. And he kept a record of it for us to see who Jesus is. And I'm going to read a few verses from what Mark wrote down for us to help us see who Jesus is. Here's how it begins, okay? Can we look at the screen and see this together? Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? So notice what Jesus does. He asks his friends a question, a really good question. Who do people say I am? What's the gossip on the street? If you were to look maybe on the internet or on Facebook or Twitter, if you were to go and hear and listen to what people were saying about me, what would they be saying about me? Who am I? What do people think? Now, I wonder if we were to go into school tomorrow or to go into work 
Or maybe to go into our, our families and ask that question of the people we know. What would they say if you asked them, what do you think about Jesus? Now, some might say, well, Jesus, he was a good guy, right? He was a good guy who had a lot of good things to say. That's who Jesus is. Some might say, well, he was this old guy with a bit of a beard, right? That's who Jesus is to me. Some might say, I don't really know who Jesus is. Some might say, I don't really care who Jesus is. Lots of different opinions about who this man Jesus is. And what about back then? What were the people in Jesus' day saying about him? Well, let's have a look. It tells us in the Bible. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say you're one of the other prophets. Now, see, both today and in Jesus' day, there was lots of different opinions as to who Jesus was. No one really knew. No one really knew who he was. Lots of different opinions. But you see what Jesus does next? He asks another question. A slightly different question. He turns the question on to the disciples. Here's what he says. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Now imagine, close your eyes. Can everyone close their eyes? Take yourself back to your school days. Maybe some of you are at school at the minute. Maybe school was a long time ago for some of you. But imagine you were back sitting in your classroom at school. Oh, and you're beginning to daydream about the amazing time you had at Holiday Club last week. Oh, it was amazing. Such fun. Oh, daydreaming. And all of a sudden, you hear your name. Nathan! Who? You, you open your eyes. And you see your teacher standing at the front of the class and going, oh, pointing at you. And they say, what is the answer? And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't really listening. I was daydreaming about the holiday club. Oh. <laughs> but they're asking you, what do you think? I don't, I don't, I'm not asking the class. I'm asking you, what's the answer? What do you think? That's what Jesus is doing here. He's asking his disciples, his friends, what about you? Who do you say I am? Now, one of the disciples, a guy called Peter, he gives the answer. He speaks up and says, I know. I know who you are, Jesus. And he uses a word that says on the screen, he says, you are the Messiah. Peter says, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, this is a word that I'm going to help us understand what it means. When you hear the word Messiah, I want you to think king. Okay, when I say the word Messiah, you think the word king. Messiah equals king. But when Peter describes Jesus as the Messiah, he's not talking about any kind of king. Like a king in a fairy story, sitting on a throne, fighting dragons. He's not talking about a made-up fairy tale king. He's not thinking about a king today that has uh, a kingdom and a rule and power on this earth. He's talking about a different kind of king. He's talking about a king that was promised by God, God's promised king that came to this world 
on a rescue mission. A rescue mission to save me and to save you. That is the identity of Jesus, God's promised king. Why did he come? Can he do what he said he can do? Well, we'll find out a little bit more about that later. But the question I want to finish on is, if you see who Jesus is as God's promised king, if you see who he is clearly, will you accept him and are you ready for the rescue that he offers? The identity of the hero. The identity of the hero. God's promised king. Should we sing a song? Let's sing a song together that talks about the identity of Jesus being greater than any other hero out there. Let's stand together and let's sing. Jesus is the greatest hero. Now, I'm going to invite onto the stage. We're going to have a a back onto your seats. Uh, Two of the children that were part of our holiday club this week. I'm going to invite Asim and Mia. And they're going to come to the front and they're going to say uh, a, a prayer for us, each thanking God for what they learned at Holiday Club. So ask them up you come and me up you come. I'm going to have a microphone for you. So let's pray together. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I had fun at Heroes Academy Holiday Club this week. I especially enjoyed the crafts and sports. I'm very thankful for being part of a, such a great church. I would like to pray for all the leaders and kids who took part in Heroes Academy. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for being our king and high priest. Thank you for your power over death and through the redemption of our sins. Thank you for bringing many new kids to Holiday Club. I pray that all the children who come through LCBC will be saved and have a relationship with you. Please help, please bless all the leaders who volunteered to prepare the church for us and give us a fun week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Asif. Father in heaven, thank you for the holiday club and the leaders who helped out. Thank you for all the children that came, for the fun we had, and for keeping us safe. And thank you for all we learned about being ready for rescue. We pray that you would help us remember everything we learnt about Jesus and what he did to save us from our sin by dying on the cross. Help us to trust him as our king and know his power in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for those prayers. In a world where hero meets hero, the Heroes Academy has created some amazing heroes. Amazing heroes with amazing missions. A mission to save the city. A mission to rescue the hostages. A mission to defeat evil. They are all great missions. But which hero has the greatest mission? Could it be the one true hero, Jesus? Why did he come? Why is he here? It's time. Get ready. Here he comes. The Heroes Academy. A 
Are you ready for rescue? Great. Morning, everybody. So day two, we looked at Jesus' mission. What did he actually come to do? Why did he come to the world? And the story we looked at was the story of Jesus and the paralyzed man from Mark 2. So if you don't know that story, let me just briefly recap what that story was about. And hopefully you children who have learned all about it this week will remember some of the things that went on in that story. Jesus is going around. He's teaching people about the kingdom of God and how you can be a part of that kingdom. He's going around healing people. And word is getting around about this amazing guy, Jesus. Now, this was in the days before social media, mobile phones, phones, so it took a little bit longer for word to get around. But things got around that amazing things were happening. Word got around that Jesus was going back to a town called Capernaum. So everybody's thinking, well, where is he? Where is he? Let's go and find this Jesus and see what is going on for ourselves. So everybody's turning up at this house. Crowds are gathering around. And there are four guys who take their friend along because he's paralyzed. He can't move. He can't walk. He can't do anything. And they think, well, if we go to Jesus, maybe Jesus can heal our friend. Now, again, this was in the days before wheelchairs, before uh, scooters. So they had to carry him. They carried him on a stretcher, all four of them. They got to the house, and there was crowds everywhere. There's no way they were going to get their friend into the house to see Jesus. So what did they do? Anybody remember what they did? Some of the children who were at the holiday club. Yes, what did they do? Yeah, they lowered him through the roof. They climbed up on the roof. They made a hole in the roof and they lowered him by ropes in, down into where Jesus was, didn't they? So Jesus says, sees their faith. And what does he say to this paralyzed man who's lying on a bed on the floor? Can anybody remember? He says, son. What does he say? Can anybody remember? Son. Yeah, go on, Frank. Your sins are forgiven. Exactly. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that is a bit of a strange thing, isn't it, for him to say. If you think about it, they've come, they've brought his man, they wanted to be healed, and Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Strange for another reason, because a lot of them are standing around thinking, well, hang on a minute, only God can forgive sins. Who is this guy saying that he's going to forgive sins? And anyway, even if he has forgiven them, how do they know that he's forgiven the sins? They can't see anything. Because that goes on inside a person, doesn't it? So this is what Jesus says. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praise God, saying, we've never, ever seen anything like this. Now, the thing is, what um, we think is our biggest problem is usually something uh, happening right now, isn't it? Maybe we're not feeling very well, and we want to be made well again. Maybe we're struggling at school, and we want some help to learn. Maybe just feeling weak, we want some strength. Um, and of course, Jesus helps us all those things, doesn't he? But our greatest need, the biggest problem that Jesus came to deal with, was his mission to save us from our sins. 
But what are, what are sins? What are, what are these funny things called sins? We looked at that um, uh, in day two, didn't we? There's different ways the Bible describes sin. One of them is uh, worshipping other things more than God, valuing other things, making them more important than God. Another thing is to reject God. God is not the king. I'm the king. God is not the king. That is sin as well. Another thing is to break all God's instructions, his laws, and to just to do things my way. But another one we looked at this week was falling short of God's standard. This is what we read in the Bible. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the way we illustrated this, remember, we had, and this is for for those who weren't here, there's two lines here, you can't see them, on the floor here. They are 3.73 metres apart. Now, does anybody who was not a holiday club sweep want to guess what that distance is? I'll give you a clue. Um, it is a world record. I'll come back to you in a minute. Ask. Let's see if anybody was in the holiday club, see if they know what that distance is. Anybody want to guess? Adults as well. Have a shout. Yes, Jacqueline. A record for... Not a high jump record. You're close, though. Pole vault standing jump. Standing jump. That is the world record for standing jump. Now, does anybody want to see if they can beat that, that record? Come on, Lily. I'll be come. Anybody else want to come and see if they can do it? Do you think anybody wants their mum or dad to come up and try it? <laughs> Who's voting for their mum and dad to come up? <laughs> come on in, Timmy, you can come up. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got ten of you coming up. Excellent. Well volunteered. <laughs> right. Lilia, off you go. Stand, you've got to stand. Hang on. No, you can't run. No chance. So stand and jump. Stand like that and see how far you can jump. Okay. Yeah, not bad. That's probably about um, a third of the way. Good, good. Ten of it, have a go. Whoa! <laughs> good. Well, because you fell over, you're disqualified. Um, Timo, do you want to have a go? I was waiting for my dad. Oh, you waiting for your dad? Oh, he's on the sound desk. Otherwise, we would get him down here. Any final volunteers to have a go? I think we should... Do you want your dad to come up? He doesn't look very keen, does he? <laughs> come on, I'll be coming. <laughs> After three. One, two, three. Oh, not bad, not bad. Over halfway, pretty good game. Now, the thing is that if anybody had tried here, none of us would have been able to meet that, that record. And the same way none of us, if we try hard, can meet God's standard, his glorious standard, because his standard is perfection. And let's face it, none of us is perfect. The only human being who ever lived who was perfect was Jesus. He lived a perfect life. Um, but the good thing is that it doesn't matter that we can't live up to God's standard, because Jesus' mission... What he came to do was to save us from our sins. The way he did that was living a perfect life. And on behalf of all of us, on behalf of the whole human race, he died in our place to take the punishment that we deserve for, for our sin. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. 
So these guys, yeah, I mean, they do a good job. Um, trouble is, they're not real, they're, they're make-believe. Jesus is real, and he can save us from our biggest problem. He can save us from sin. So the question I want to leave you with is the same question that Nathan left you with. So the question we're looking at this week is, are you ready for rescue? Jesus has come to rescue you. Are you ready for him? Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you that Jesus came to deal with our biggest problem, our sin. Thank you that although none of us can match your perfect standards, Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and he died to save us from sin. So we can be friends with you forever. So Lord, help us to be ready for that rescue and accept his offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus is our super saviour. And we're going to sing about him now in our next song. King, we thought about the hero's mission. Jesus came to save people from their sin. And lastly, on the Friday of Holiday Club, we thought about the hero's power. Okay, so with that in mind, the hero's power, who can tell me what these two pictures have in common? It's not a trick question. Our theme is the hero's power. What's the link? They might not look like it, but... Go on, Asim. They are both really powerful. The little grasshopper, he's five centimetres long. He can actually jump 25 centimetres high and over one metre in distance, which is the same as me or you jumping over our own house and at the same time jumping the length of a whole football field. That's power, isn't it? And then we've got the dung beetle, little guy up there on the right. The dung beetle many of you may know, is actually the most powerful animal on the planet for its size. That little guy can shift 1,180 times his own body weight, which is the same as a fully grown man lifting 118 elephants. That's power, isn't it? And you see, everywhere we look around God's world, we'll see little glimpses of power. But nothing compared to the power that we see in our third Bible story. Because here we see that Jesus has power even over death itself. I'm going to look at the story in uh, three scenes. And the first scene we'll see is a scene of desperation. Anyone tell me, any of the young people, what what does it mean to be desperate? If you're desperate for something, what does it mean? What does it mean if you're desperate? Go on, Bella. Yeah, you really need it. You really, really, really need or want something. You're desperate for something to happen. And in our story, we meet a guy called Jairus, and he is really desperate. Have a look at the story. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him, While he was by the lake, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. This guy is really desperate Because his daughter is really sick. She's not just got a cold or a bit of a temperature that's going to go away in a couple of days. This little girl is dying. 
She's at death's door, and so her father, Jairus, who, who loves her so much, he, he seeks out Jesus, and he, he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he pleads with Jesus, knowing that Jesus has the power to do something about it, and he pleads with him that he would. And wonderfully, Jesus turns to go with him to Jairus' house. But as they make their way to Jairus' house, very quickly, a scene of desperation becomes a scene of devastation. Look at what happens next. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Surely that must be the hardest news to receive for a parent. You've seen your little child born into this world and grow up and, you know, and you've thrown them around and you've played with them and then, then the news comes that your daughter is dead. It's all over. It's finished because death is the end, right? Nothing else comes after death. All, all hope is gone. But let's watch to see what happens next in the story. Check out the video on the screen. There we go. It's an amazing end to the story, isn't it? A scene of desperation is followed by a scene of devastation, but is followed by a scene of celebration. Jesus walks into this home and there's, there's noise and there's confusion and there's, there's crying and there's pain because this little girl is dead. But Jesus walks up to the bed where she's lying motionless and lifeless and he takes her by the hand and he says to her, Talitha Kum which means, little girl, that's Talitha, get up, arise, coom, on your feet. And you see, when Jesus speaks, death itself obeys. Because Jesus has the power over death. And this little girl who lay lifeless is now back on her feet, full of life once again. Because Jesus Christ has power over death. Now, as we begin to draw things to a conclusion, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, so what? Why does that matter to us today that 2,000 years ago, Jesus brought a little girl back from the dead? Why does that matter to us today? Well, let me give you a little challenge to help us think about that. I want you to turn to the person next to you. You've done this, this staring competition before when you try to outstare someone and see who blinks first. If you don't want to play with somebody else, your challenge is to not blink for 30 seconds. But if you want to do it with somebody else, look them in the eye, and you've got to see if you can make them blink before you. You've got 30 seconds to see if you cannot blink. Ready? I'm going to time you. Go. You can use any tactics you want to make them blink. You're out already. Okay, that's 30 seconds. Did did anyone stay in for a full 30 seconds? So you fair play. Did not many. And I'm not surprised because here's the deal. On average, people blink every four or five seconds. Which means over the course of a whole day, the average person will blink 20,000 times. Which means over the course of your life, if you live 70 years, you will blink in total 511 million times. Your eyes will close and open 511 million times. But you see, here's why this story matters to us. Because one day, 
our eyes will close in this world for the last time. And they won't open again. We will blink for the last time. Our eyes will close and they will not open again in this world. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ has power over death. If you trust in the promised king, if you trust in the one who laid down his life for you at the cross, if you trust in his power, then when your eyes close in this world, they will open again in the next. And what you will see before your eyes is Jesus Christ himself and his whole new created and perfect world. And there you will enjoy life for all of eternity because Jesus Christ has got power over your death, if only you would put your trust in him. And did you hear how Jesus referred to death in that film? Asleep. Because for Jesus Christ, such is his power, it is easier for Jesus to bring someone back to life and give them life forever than it is for you to wake a sleeping child in the morning. Because Jesus Christ has power over death. And so the question it's the same one we've asked already this morning. Are you ready for rescue? Do you trust this morning in the promised king? Do you trust that he went to the cross for you to deal with your sin? And do you trust that he has power over your death? Why don't you take just 20 seconds to think about that question and ask it yourself in your hearts. And then we're going to sing our closing song as we sing to Jesus, our great rescuer.